Hey, um, so before I get into the sermon today, I want to wish a very happy anniversary to Dawson and Mayla. One year today, right? You came to church on your anniversary? Yeah, I hear you. Hey, but happy anniversary to you all. One year today, and um, but I want all of you to know this morning that the Christ that we serve not only has the ability but the authority to flip your life, circumstances, and your impact upside down. I'm going to say it again. The Christ that we serve not only has the ability but the authority to flip your life, circumstances, and your impact upside down, which means your failures, your failures can become your ministries. Your heartbreak he can turn to joy. Your pain, he can turn to a pasture. And he doesn't have to do it in the way you think it should be done. For many of us in this room, we either grew up in church and had this, this doctrine, theological tradition that tells us that God can only work a certain way or he doesn't work a certain way anymore. And I'm here to tell you today that that's absolutely not true. See, last week I told you, um, abandon what you see, right? Well, I'm wondering if our word for today, and if you're taking notes, I want you to make sure you write it down. Maybe our word for today is abandon what you think. Abandon what you think. See, I believe the way the church has been operating in the last few, few hundred years in, in, in many ways have, have left a dead, bored abroad. I believe that the greatest crisis, I believe that this is the greatest conf- uh, crisis facing the church in America today, not what's happening in Washington. But it's a bored bride. And I believe that the Father wants to come today and, and is starting to work its way across the nation to awaken its people, to awaken his bride. See, I honestly believe that revival is on, on the horizon. Like, I believe. Um, you know, I'll read a verse here in a minute, but I believe God's about to do something in the last days that, that we can only dream of, could have, could have ever imagined this whole time. We first got to abandon, abandon what we see. I believe revival, he's coming to, bring, to release a revival to awaken a sleeping bride, to awaken a sleeping people. And, but we have to abandon our mindsets for a moment. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about being um, unbiblically sound or... Uh, or or anything like that, but I'm wondering if the way that we've been thinking in our, in our church history is really unbiblical. I'm not talking about being unbiblical, but I'm talking about what if we stop placing God in a box? What if we stop placing God in a box? Well, God doesn't work that way, or maybe we say that God doesn't work that way anymore. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't know what Bible you guys have been reading. But the writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus, the anointed one, is is always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So if he did it then, he can do it now. If he did it then, he can do it now. I want you to write that down. That's going to be very important for the rest of the sermon. If he did it then, he can do it now. So this has been my prayer that the Father, like you may loosen the chains of your bride even the ones that they've placed on themselves. Because he's promised us, he's promised us in Acts 2.17, it says that this is what I will do in the last days. 
I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and daughters to prophesy and your young men to see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So that's the promise that we have, and that's what I've been praying for the last week. Really, the last several weeks. God, I mean, I'm just kind of speak, can I just confess for a minute? I am so tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of, not just in my life, but I'm tired of us being just mediocre in our faith. Like God wants so much more for us, and we're just being mundane in our faith. Like what would happen if we really believed that in the last day, God's going to pour out his spirit upon his people? Like what would, like, what would happen? Now I'm not talking about in a, just in our community, I'm talking about in us. What if we started walking a little bit differently? What if he did in us what he did then? My prayer is that it's, it's time for us to abandon our preconceived mindsets and follow Christ. Because I believe he wants to awaken us. I'm talking about individually. Individually. Because for revival to happen, it has to start in, in us. It has to start in us. But you've got to know that Jesus has the authority to do whatever he wants. He has the authority to flip it upside down. And my prayer is that he flips it upside down for all of us in this room. My, here's my confession. I, you know, most of you I know that I've been on this journey the last couple of years about God, if you work certain ways, show me, right? But in the last couple of weeks, I've just, like, there's been something about God. I just want more of your spirit. Like, God, if, if this, like, I want it. Like, I want Acts 2 in my life. I want Acts 2 in my life. I want it. Well, Derek, what if you scare people away? Well, was it Paul who said, if, I'm, we're out of my mind, if, we're out of our, if we're out of our minds, we're doing it for the Peter, if we're out of our minds, we're doing it for the Lord? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be like King David, I'll be even more indignified than this if you let me. You know what I'm saying? So my prayers, I'm going to be honest, my prayers the last couple of weeks and really strong the last week is God, just pour your spirit out on me. Like, I don't care about anything else. I just want your spirit. But to tie this into today is, you know, remember last week we... We ended the story where Jesus has healed the man beside the, the pool of Bethesda. You know, we're working through the book of John here. And Jesus has healed the man beside the pool of Bethesda. And he told him to pick up his mat and walk. And it made some religious leaders really upset. Why? Because he was working technically on the Sabbath. He, God made this rule, right, to, to rest on the Sabbath day. And then what man did is he come in and said, okay, what does rest look like, Right. And, and they put all these man-made rules. And really what Sabbath is, is for you to reflect on how good God is in our life. To take the time to make sure you take a day and to say, thank you, God, for what you've done for us. And, but these religious leaders had put all these, these oral traditions on this where, like, you could, only, you could tie a, rope, a certain length of rope around your waist. That's as far as you could walk out of your house before considered work. Or they would say, no, you, you, have, you have to prepare your meals the day before for the next day so you didn't, have, so you didn't work or... No, you can't pick up the mat in which you walk, which you've been laying on for 38 years, because that's work, which is not the whole point at all of what the Sabbath was meant to be. This, but this made religious leaders upset because 
It went against their current mindset on how God worked instead of celebrating that this man had been healed. You know what I'm saying? Here's, here's what it says. John records it. John 5, 16. It says, so from that day forward, the Jewish leaders began to prosecute Jesus because of the things he did on the Sabbath. So this wasn't the only thing that Jesus did on the Sabbath. He's apparently done some other things that really <laughs> ticked him off. You know what I'm saying? Every day, my, and this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered his critics. He's answered his religious leaders. He's about, like, this is the, one of the, like, the first time we'll get to see Jesus, you know, like, I'm gonna, we're going to punch these religious leaders in the metaphorical mouth. You know what I'm saying? Here's what Jesus, this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered his critics by saying, every day my father is at work and I will be too. This infuriated them and made them all the more eager to devise a plan to kill him. For not only did he break their Sabbath rules, but he called God my father, which made him equal to God. So those people who say, who say well, Jesus never said he was God. Actually, he did. Because if the, if the people in that day took that as, Je as Jesus saying, I am God, then no argument. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. There's two things I want us to point out here. Number one, it says, notice it says that Jesus broke their Sabbath. <laughs> but I love the Aramaic text. In the Aramaic text, it says he loosed it. Meaning he broke the bondage of tradition and man-made rules. Here's the truth that I want to tell you all. I don't care what your background was. I don't care how you grew up. Here's what God is telling each of us. God is calling you to unlearn the limitations. If he did it then, he'll do it now. If he did it then, he'll do it now. So for theological and doctrinal buffs, I'm off the sensational theology. And by, by what I mean is that it only did it for a season. Like if God did it then, he can do it now. If he promised the pouring out of his, of his spirit on the last days, guess what? It, we're, I think we're pretty close. You with me? We may end up becoming Pentecostal, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> can you imagine me up here dancing? <laughs> Bring out, the, bring out the modesty blankets, you know what I'm saying? God is calling you to unlearn the limitations. If he did it then, he will do it now. And here's number two that I want you to make sure you, that you point out. That, is that Number two is that he has the authority because he is equal to God in nature. In all ways, he is God. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. With you hear what more, some more Jesus, what Jesus said? I love it. love it. John 19 says, so, 519 says, so Jesus said, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through, through my own in, in, initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing for the son does, does the same work as his father. Can you imagine being like the religious leaders out there and over and over Jesus saying, my father, my father, my father. It's like God, Jesus is just like punched it, like keep driving that home. Because the father loves his son so much, he always reveals to me everything that he is about to do. And you will be amazed when he shows me even, more, even greater works than what you have seen so far. For just like the father has power to raise the dead, the son will raise the dead and give life to whomever he wants. Well, I can't believe God's working in their life that way. 
He can do do it to whoever he wants. He's God. So I want to point out three things, and we're going to go in reverse order. Jesus claims to have authority because he is equal to God in power. Equal to God in power. And what is the main objective of this power? It's number two. What is the main objective of this power? The purpose of Christ's power is to bring is to bring dead things to life. Is to bring dead things to life. The Bible clearly describes describes us in our sin nature as being dead in our sins. Ephesians two. It, once you were you were once dead in your trespasses and sins, it says. So this gives us a clear picture. That Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but to bring dead people to life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but to bring dead people to life. But this doesn't, doesn't stop there. He says, he says he, will bring back, he will bring back to life marriages, sons and daughters. He'll bring back brothers and sisters, addicts. He'll bring back dreams and visions, healing and gifts. And I believe that he's about to bring a dead bride back to life. Honestly. Again, I'm sick and tired of mediocre Christianity. And that goes for me too. See, that's even still not it. Jesus tells them that that they will be amazed when he shows them even greater things. Even greater things. Well, what what do you mean there? Like, what does that even mean? Well, Jesus tells his disciples the same thing a few chapters later in John 14, 12. And he says, I tell you that this timeless truth, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, so automatically we see that the greater things is coming from us. You with me? So Jesus is telling his religious, these religious leaders, you're about to see a, a people filled with power do some amazing things. I tell you the truth. So he's talking to his disciples here. I tell you this timeless truth. This person who, person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. You mean I had the same power flowing through my veins that Christ had? Yes. Actually, actually, Jesus himself says even greater miracles than those because I go to be with my Father. For I will do, do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show that the Father is really what the, the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me, ask me anything in my name and I'll do it for you. And I'll do it for you. You have the power of life flowing through your veins. You have the power of life flowing through your veins. I want to make sure you write that down. You have untapped power to help restore marriages, heal the sick, bring the dead things to life. Romans 8.11 says, "If, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. And so for for those of us who aren't very smart, including myself, this is what this means. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. So the question is, are we tapped into that? Because if we're not tapped into that, we're tapped into something different. Something that's draining, something that doesn't bring life. 
same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. John 5, 22 goes on to say, he says, So the honor, the Father, the Father now judges no one, for he has given all the authority to judge the all the authority to judge to the Son, so that the honor that belongs to the Father will now, will now be shared with His Son. So if you refuse to honor the Son, you are refusing to honor the Father who sent Him. I speak to you eternal truth. If you embrace my message and, and believe in the one who sent me, you will never face condemnation. For in me you have already passed from the realm of death into the realm of eternal life. Jesus has been given all authority from God, making Jesus equal to God in authority. Jesus is equal to God in authority. The Father has already made the commitment to leave the execution of judgment in the hands of his Son. And here's what this means for us. That's all this means, is that Jesus is worthy of the same worship that is due the Father. Jesus is worthy of the same worship that is due to the Father. Now, this has to be ticking these religious leaders off because they're, they're understanding what, it, what he's saying, right? But it's Jesus is worthy of the same worship that is due to the Father, not only in moments like this, but, but by placing Christ first in everything in our lives, in our finances, in our families, in our jobs, in our health. Name it, put Jesus first. First. He goes on to say this, he says, John 5, 26 says, I speak to you eternal truth. Soon the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will rise with life. For the Father has given the Son the power to impart life, even as the Father imparts life. Christ is calling dead things to life because all life is in his hands. All life is in his hands. He actually holds life together. Colossians 1.15, Paul tells us that he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, and the firstborn heir of all creation. For in him was created the universe of, all, of, of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is, is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion or finds life in him. He holds your life together. Your very existence, he holds. But Jesus goes on to say, he says, the Father has transferred to the Son authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And so all, all that means is that since Jesus has died on the cross as a man, as a judgment for man's sin, he now holds the power to judge man of his own sin. His own sin because all judgment is in his hands. So the Father's not judging you right now. And it's not a judging like you think a judge. Because if you're in the blood, if you're covered under the blood of Christ and he goes to judge you, guess what he says? Not guilty. That's why we can walk in freedom of the spirit of going, you know, whatever you have for me, I want it. Because when he sees us, he sees not guilty. But he goes on to say this, he says, so don't be amazed when I tell you these things, for there is a day coming when all who have ever died, all who have ever died will hear my voice calling them back to life. And they will come out of their graves. Those who have done what is good will experience the resurrection to eternal life. And those who have practiced evil will taste the resurrection that brings them to condemnation. 
but don't be mistaken. All will be resurrected at Christ's return, believers and non-believers. One to eternal life and the latter to eternal judgment. This shows that Jesus has all resurrection power in his hands. He's able to bring all dead things to life. That shame and that guilt and that pain that you have in your life that you just, you, you've been hiding and you're wishing nobody, hope, you hope nobody knows. We all had those. Like the person sitting next to you has some trash in their life. You with me? He has the power to bring those things back, back to life. For there, ha- for there to be resurrection, I say this often, for there to be resurrection, something has to die first. And that thing that's dead in you, maybe he's trying to raise back to life. Don't be mistaken, all will be resurrected at Christ's return, believers and non-believers. One to eternal life and one later to eternal judgment. This shows that Jesus has resurrection in his hands. And ultimately, whether you believe in him or not, the sum of your life will bring him glory one way or another. Rather it be through grace or wrath, through judgment, eternal judgment. Now Jesus understands. Now Jesus understands that everything that he just spoke will be disputed in this culture if not authenticated by two or more witnesses. So Jesus gives four. Just cover basis. And I love what he says. He says, John 5.30, Nothing I do is from my own initiative, for as I hear the judgment passed by my Father, I execute judgment, and my judgment will be perfect because I can do, I can do nothing on my own except to fulfill the desires of my Father who sent me. For if I were to make claims about myself, you wouldn't have, you would have reason to doubt. But there is another who bears witness on my behalf, and I know that what he testifies of me is true. You have sent messengers to John, this is John the Baptist, and he has testified about me. What he has testified about me is true. I have no need to be validated by men, but I'm saying these things so that you, that you will believe and be, be rescued or be saved. And here's, here's the honest truth. John is his first witness, but I love Jesus' words when he says he, that he doesn't need your approval to work in certain ways. He doesn't need your approval. If he wants to flip your world upside down to get your attention, guess what he's going to do? He's going to flip your world upside down to get your attention. He doesn't need your approval to work in certain ways. And since he is God, he can raise who he wants to raise, heal who he wants to heal, gift who he wants to gift when he wants to. He is not controlled by your traditions, doctrines, or unbiblical opinions. Well, Derek, I just don't know if God still works that way. Well, guess what he says? I don't need your approval to work in certain ways. Now, if it's unbiblical, I'm with you. But I think sometimes we've labeled things unbiblical or cessation theology that aren't. And that's why I've been praying, God, pour it out on me. Pour it out on me. He's not controlled by your doctrines or your traditions or your unbiblical opinions, but, he says, John was a blazing, burning torch. And for a short time, you basked in his light with great joy. But I can provide a more substantial proof. Those big words, get country boy, you know what I'm saying? Proof of who I am that exceeds John's testimony my miracles. These works which the Father destined for me to complete, they prove that the Father has sent me. So his first witness is John. His second witness is his miracles. 
John 5, 37, he says, And my Father himself who gave me the, this mission has also testified that I am his son. But you have never heard his voice nor seen his face. This is a reference, him referencing back to his baptism when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and he, a voice from heaven came out and said, This is my son. I'm well pleased. Believe in God, the God in heaven, the Father in heaven is his third witnesses. Third witness. He goes on to say, nor does the word, nor does the word truly live inside of you. Remember, he's talking to some religious people whose like life is the word. Nor does his word truly live inside of you. For you refuse to believe in me or to embrace me as God's messenger. You are busy analyzing the scriptures frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me. The, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible is not about you. So breathe. The only thing it says about you is that you can't. But there was, from the very beginning in our camp, that we were looking forward to a Savior who would and would come and save us and empower us to do some miraculous things. And at a certain point, he existed. So everything on this side of that now points back to him. So it points forward to him. It points back to him. It points to a day when he will return. As you are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life, everything you read points to me. Yet, you still refuse to come to me so I can give you life, the life you're looking for, eternal life. I do not accept. I'm going back to it. So this is Jesus saying that all scripture is his witness. So he has John, he has his father, and he has all that scripture that points to him. And lastly, he says, I don't accept the honor that comes from man. For I know what kind of people you really are. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like God knows who you are, and guess what? He still chose to make a way. He still chose you to be, be and do the greater things. You are the greatest miracle ever. Salvation is the greatest miracle on earth. You are a part of his greater things. For now, I know, I know what kind of people you really are, and I can see that the love of God has found no home in you. I have come to represent my Father, yet you refuse to embrace me in faith. But when someone comes in their own name and with their own agenda, you readily accept them. Of course you're unable to believe in me, for you live for the praises of others and not for the praises that come from the, from the only true God. I won't, be, I won't be the one who accuses you before the Father. The one who will incriminate you is Moses. The very one you claim to obey, the one in whom you trust. If you really believed what Moses has written, then you would embrace me, for Moses wrote about me. <laughs> Just imagine their faces getting red. But since you do not believe what he has wrote, no wonder you don't believe what I say. Now I wonder how many of us got caught up in that. that just like these, just like these uh, religious leaders of the time, they couldn't abandon their mindsets. And when he says in the last day, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon my sons and daughters, and some will be given the gift of prophecy, and those you list out those things, and we read stuff like that, and we're like, oh, he doesn't work that way. We don't believe the very words that was written from him. 
And I'm not even, like, you may not be like, Derek, I don't know if I want all that stuff. That's whatever. But you can still live with power. We have power to move mountains and we're not tapped into it. The question I want to ask is, do you believe? Do you believe what the Bible actually says? Do you believe Jesus has the authority to give you more? Or are you just trusting, trusting just in the system to get you to heaven? Jesus has so much more for you. In fact, he has greater things, greater works for you. You've got to believe that he has the authority and the ability to do that in your life. Stop living by the flesh and start living, allowing the Holy Spirit to pour into your life. So I'm praying, God, I want more. I want more. Even if that... God made a commitment of saying, no, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. I want it all. Nothing less. My prayer is that one day he pours that out on me. Rather it be today or rather it be 50 years from now. But either day I'm going to walk as if he has more, more power for me to walk in. so much more for my family. I want so much more for my church. I want so much more for our community and our city. I think people are hungry for something more. And we're too bored to see it. So abandon what you think. Even if it's just for a moment. Do what I can do like I've been doing the last couple of years. God, if you still work this way, show me. I see some crazy stuff. Heard some crazy stories. Been a part of some craziness. And I'm just like, you know what? At this point, I don't have time to split hairs. I don't have time to do this. I'm just like, you know what? I'm walking. We're just messing up my... master's degrees and <laughs> it's okay I just want more I don't want to get to heaven and hear Jesus say God I had so much more for you if you would just change your mindset a little bit so I'm going to walk as if it's true until it's proven otherwise and whether you walk with me or not it's up to you Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here this morning. And I pray, God, I pray what Acts 2 said. I pray that in these last days you pour out your spirit on all of us. May prophets, priests rise up out of this room. God, may your spirit pour out that we can be beacons of hope in our community. God, we want so much more than what we're experiencing now. So I pray that your bride awakens. That they hear revival coming over the mountain. And that we start walking by the Spirit. Putting Jesus first in everything. And I pray all this in your name.